everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not writing about bikes or fitness or nutrition or all that fun stuff, I'm probably trying to do one of those things. Probably outside, as the weather's been pretty good this past week. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. So, what have we been up to this week? Uh, I don't know what I really have done. It's gone by quickly. It's been a lot of coaching and... Yeah, a lot of sessions with people on bikes, trying to get people faster. Big, good, nice mix of stuff, downhilling and cross country, and then some road the other day, and then cyclocross, and then tonight's a big cyclocross clinic. I think my favorite was actually uh, we got to ride with two little shred girls on Thursday at our Collingwood Off-Road Cycling uh, weekly mountain bike ride. Uh, we had a, I think, seven-year-old and nine-year-old that we shredded with, and I was pretty impressed, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they're really good. So that was that was my highlight of the week. I've also, for those in the Collingwood area, I'm actually getting back to teaching yoga starting in September at Active Life, so kind of coming up with that schedule and starting to, you know, flesh out some new flows and some plans, and I have a workshop coming up at the end of September that I'm excited about. And of course, I'm starting the sort of taper for the fact that in under two weeks, I'm going to be racing that 50K that I can't seem to stop talking about. And you're going to prepare while being at a cyclocross camp. That's right. Yeah, I hear cyclocross is really good prep for mountain running. Um, I I don't know who said that, but it was definitely someone very smart. Right. Right. (laughs) <laughs> I was telling uh, I was telling an editor yesterday on the phone I was excited about the 50k run because I got to uh, well last week's episode featuring Born to Run author Chris McDougal got me stoked about it and then I actually interviewed him again yesterday for a piece uh, over on Gear Junkie that I'm working on with some of his favorite stuff and told the editor I was like yeah I was really nervous about the 50k but then I talked to Chris McDougall and by the end of it I was like excited and wondering why there wasn't like a longer option so any and all things that go wrong during that 50k I'm just gonna blame him also if we end up owning a donkey if you haven't listened to last week's episode you really should it's awesome it was a good one I actually just was listening to it really you you re-listen to our episodes well, it's like continuous improvement. I like to see where I can improve. Any any notes for me? No, that one was good. I didn't speak a lot in that one, so it was it was good. That's that's great. Yeah. Uh, you actually don't speak at all in today's interview because it's one that I did solo while we were in upstate New York. Um, it's with two awesome women, uh, both of whom are ambassadors for World Bicycle Relief, which is an organization that I'm really excited to kind of introduce to anyone that hasn't heard of them before. Uh, they do this really great thing where they provide bikes to children, both both girls and boys in developing countries. And, you know, that helps kids actually access school and, you know, be able to have kind of these more normal lives. And it's they're doing such cool work. They also build schools. So, really cool stuff. Anyway, these two women um, actually ended up using the BC Bike Race, which is a pretty cool seven-day stage race, as a fundraiser. Um, So Renee Lockie and Claire Geiger teamed up to do the BC Bike Race and over seven days, you know, tackled, I believe it's 312 kilometers of single track. 
Uh, it's a pretty crazy event, really gnarly trails in BC. Uh, and they crushed it as the women's open team duo. I'm not sure what the exact phrase is. They, they won their category. Uh, they had a great time. And what I really like about their story is both of them came from different sports. Renee was a racquetball player. Uh, Claire rode crew and did Ironman. And then they both kind of shifted into cycling and found mountain biking. Uh, but they also both hold down full-time jobs during the week. So we got to kind of talk about what training for a seven-day stage race looks like when you, you know, are a full-time office worker. Or in Renee's case, she's a gynecologist. So we get to talk a little bit about saddle sores, which you guys know is my favorite topic. So it's a really fun conversation. I'm super stoked on it. It made me want to do the BC bike race. Must be compelling then. Yeah, that's that's saying a lot. I actually really am much more into like these running seven day races that we talked about, or you and I have talked about. But you've done you've done the mountain biking stage races. You've done what Trans Rockies and Transylvanian Epic. Yeah, Crank the Shield. Oh right, Crank yes. the Shield. Which is coming up here again, the new revised three day stage race in Ontario. This one's even further north in Ontario. I ran most of that the fir- like the first year I was with you and you did it. This is true. That was fun. It was really cold. But I'm sure it'll be beautiful this year. It's in a really gorgeous area. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, the stage races are really... It's basically like going to summer camp. It's really good experience. I don't know. If yeah. You, if you haven't done any sort of stage racing, especially mountain bike stage racing, it's just so laid back that it's Yeah, it's but I fun. think what's been interesting about everyone I've talked to that does BC bike race, whether they're pros or, you know, normal people with normal jobs, is the nice thing about being in a stage race is it really forces you kind of out of all of the stuff that's going on in your head and in your outside life. Like for the week, whether you are a pro or you're, you know, just a normal person, you are a bike racer for that week. Like your job is to race. And by the time you get done with the stage and you've recovered and showered and eaten, it's time for dinner. Then you're going to bed in your tent because you're tired and you're you know, trying to get ready for the next day. So you actually have this very meditative experience of being kind of outside of your normal life for a week. Yeah, it's sort of like summer camp, right? Like you're sort of interrupted from a lot of other stuff yeah like you can't really deal with like a crisis at your office or like a report that's due or anything like that like that's just not yeah possible. not really i mean when i first like the first one i did was in 2005 and that one was super remote for a bunch of it like uh, it was amazing what they pulled off uh but intense like you say and some people were in rvs there's a little bit of that but you weren't really even in towns for three or four of the seven days. So there wasn't even like a place you could go. Uh, and at that time, obviously cell phones and coverage and stuff was much less smartphones. I don't mm-hmm. even know if they existed in 2005. Uh, you maybe had like email on your like flip phone, but it wasn't very good. I don't remember how or if we, we checked. I don't really have a good memory for how that isn't it funny that that used to just be like a normal thing? You were on vacation and therefore you did not check your email? It was, still, it was just before I started into coaching and stuff like that, which has been sort of what has tied me to that being work. Uh, so it was just ahead of that. But yeah, I remember it being, that was really cool to be so far you know, removed from even stores, right? Like you just, you couldn't buy anything. Right. So 
Yeah, I don't know. To me, they're and I have a couple friends who have done BC bike race and a few other ones, and they just treat it like a tour. Like they have zero, you know, they ride ahead of time like they would, and then go and it's just like BC bikers is basically you know around Whistler and I think they do some North Shore and Squamish. So you're hitting like a lot of the highlights. Four ferry rides throughout the week. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how you get anywhere in BC, basically. But it's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can go at these, right? Whether you're going to be the the most pro. Lately, they've started adding things like enduro within it. So you could just sort of do an enduro basically every single day. Mm -hmm. So it's a little more casual. And then you race down the downhills. And then there's people who just do tours, right? Versus racing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And BC Bike Race has a 97% finisher rate, which is pretty impressive for 600 racers to finish seven days and like i said 300 something kilometers of gnarly single track hmm. like it's pretty yeah wild. i've never heard that it's... well we actually also have a podcast coming out in a few weeks with the bc bike race director um as well as hannah ray finchamp who got third in the women's field so i'm really excited about you know what both of them had to say about the race but i kind of wanted to start with this one because i think sort of the more average person who does this while working a normal job is definitely as interesting if not more interesting especially for our audience of people who are trying to balance doing stuff like this with normal jobs sure so before we get into it just a quick reminder that the wide angle podium donor drive is going on right now so if you want to support our show shows like it um, it helps us uh, keep the lights on as it were so you can head over to wideanglepodium.com donate um, it would just be, yeah, awesome. All support is welcome, any level. You can do it for five bucks a month. You can do a one-time donation. And during the donor drive, there's so much bonus content that you get. I can say it's pretty awesome because I made a fair amount of it for our show and the stuff that you get from the other shows on our network, like CX Hairs and Slow Ride Podcast is also pretty sweet. And like we said last week, and we'll say again at the end of the episode, if you donate, and come up and find me at a cross race and show me that you donated, I will buy you a beer. Or Peter will. Whichever of us you find. Sure. Um, so the important thing for people is that during the donor drive, you get some extra freebies for donating that you can't get the rest of the year. You could always you know, come on as a, a subscriber, as a donor, throughout the anytime during the year, but there's a bunch of extra stuff. There's t-shirts and stickers, uh, I believe a patented aero race pin. Woo! Uh, so these are pins that are aerodynamic, I take it. Uh, they could have saved like three minutes during BC Bike Race if they and had And you these. can sign up to do like a, a recurring fee like you would with like your Netflix or your iTunes, uh, or you can also just do a lump sum as well. Uh, so that's the idea. Um, sort of keeps us from getting advertisers like that are annoying companies that you don't want to hear from. For the sake of a two-week drive, this is essentially what's happening. Cool. All right. Again, that's wideanglepodium.com slash donate. And without further ado, let's talk all things BC Bike Race. First of all, congrats for finishing the BC Bike Race, ladies. That's a pretty intense accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. So how was it? What's your like one sentence descriptor for how the race went? I would say it was, (laughs) yeah, if you want to give it one word, it was, it was definitely awesome, challenging, and a total blast. 
Yeah, I would say um, it it exceeded expectations in every in every sense that I could imagine. Yeah, I was. I'm actually very lucky. I just spoke yesterday to Dre, who's the promoter of the race, and he's been running it for 12 years. And we just kind of talked about some of the statistics for how how many people, how many meals get served at it, like all the work that goes into it. And I'm constantly amazed because I don't think I've ever heard anyone say one bad thing about the race. Everyone from like the highest uh, level to like the you know most in it for a chill ride kind of people seem to have a great time. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. That's what I would agree. Okay, so um, you guys both work with World Bicycle Relief, and we're going to get into that in, in a bit. But, okay, so we're going to start with Renee. Your background is racquetball and cycling. How do those two, how did you get into both of those? Mm, well, racquetball goes way back. So I pretty much grew up playing racquetball. Had a mom that played racquetball on a recreational level and so I took it to a competitive level in my you know probably around 12 13 and um played some pro racquetball through high school and start of and uh, I guess high school and college and that was just my main sport it was the one sport that I excelled at and I played that until uh med school took over my life and um and haven't played since so that was just uh phase one I guess competitive sports for me okay so what turned you on to cycling yeah (laughs) yeah cycling is something I've always done for fitness so uh initially road cycling I've also been a a long long time bicycle commuter for work and school so it was just always kind of a um a staple of my you know fitness Uh, I was riding bikes and then I didn't really start mountain biking until I moved to Austin, Texas in 2002. And mountain bike on a recreational level did a lot of charity, um, road and mountain biking. um, And then decided in 2015 with some encouragement of some friends to start racing. And that coincided with a move to Colorado. So it felt like a natural thing to do. And so here we are, year, I guess, season four. So... And I love it. That's awesome. So as an OBGYN, you'll probably appreciate, I actually have a book that I wrote that's all about, it's called Saddle Sore, and it's all about kind of lady parts and uh, bikes and stuff. (laughs) So as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, we need to, we need to talk. Do you, do you, uh, like, do you ever find yourself giving people advice about saddle sores and stuff like that? Well, Claire's probably laughing. I think we've both had personal experiences with some of that, but, um, uh, I guess the most I've gotten was when I've volunteered to ride medical for events like Ride the Rockies and I'm, cool. you know, actually in a medical tent or providing some support. Um, <clears throat> then I've uh, treated a handful of people. <laughs> some some have been pretty bad. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, people doing like the Trans Rockies. It's It's not so much about the partnership during the day on the bike. It's the partnership really comes out at night when you've got like the flashlight between your teeth and you're trying to like help your friend pop his saddle sore on his butt. Like, oh god, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, nothing we're that bad. It's just like managing, it, you know, <laughs> such a glamorous sport we're in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, they have a conference. They have a conference at um, 
uh, in Colorado Springs, usually every year, um, and I don't know if the U.S. Olympic Committee puts it on, but it's the medicine of cycling. And um, you can just imagine every kind of injury, but including dermatology. And uh, I've always wanted to attend that. Um, I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I've seen that. It's on my bucket list for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then how did you, Renee, end up with World Bicycle Relief? So I, my first season uh, racing out here, I just did it on my own and I did a charity, actually a charity road ride, um, road race um, in France and got more introduced to World Bicycle Relief because I was uh, racing on a team against them, but I got to know what their charity was all about, meet some of the people involved and uh, I really thought, wow, if, I, if there's an, another season of this, I'd love to race for World Bicycle Relief because I love the cause. I could totally get behind this mm-hmm. um, with some of my experiences traveling and volunteering in Africa. I could re- immediately see um, the need for that. And um, so the next season, you know, I decided I, I wanted to connect with World Bicycle Relief, see what was involved in being an ambassador or um, being part of their team, whether it was for Ride the Rockies or Leadville 100 and and so uh, I contacted Claire, and we met and talked and shared a little bit about our backgrounds, and it was a good fit. And so um, I raced for them last season and did some key events and raised a lot of money. And, and then this year is season two, and I took it to a little bit of the next level and applied to be a global ambassador, um, which I'm doing, and started a um, women's mountain bike, a small women's mountain bike race team uh, to recruit some other people to uh, race for charity along with me and it's and just for the extra camaraderie and and fun and it's it's just been great it's really made racing so much more significant than if i was just out there trying to set a personal record you know yeah absolutely um and we'll get into why bc biker is kind of matters for you two but let's also get into Claire, so what is your athletic background? I, I know you've done Ironman, you were involved in crew, and you do both road and mountain bikes. So what's your what's your athletic history look like? Yeah, I uh, I've kind of played tried my hand at a lot of sports. Um, like from when I was really really little, I grew up playing soccer, and then I joined the tennis team in high school. And I wasn't really good enough at either of those sports to play in college, but. Um, when I went to college, the crew team actually accepts a ton of walk-ons. Um, it's almost primarily walk-ons. And so I, I kind of uh, decided to give my hand a shot at that. Like, I went to school, I was, I'm 5'4", but I'm, I was really small. And I actually didn't go to be a rower. I was a coxswain. So I was the one that sits in the back of the boat and tells the rowers what to do. Um, and my mom was a coxswain at Wisconsin as well. So she was like, you should go out and try this. It's awesome to be a part of a sports team. And I was always a really competitive person and athlete. So I, I, you know, went and tried out for the team and I made it. And like kind of to my luck, that was one of the only years that they didn't have a recruited coxswain. So somebody that had done it in high school and, you know, was coming on scholarship. And so I quickly kind of fell into that sport and, um, you know, really just enjoyed the team aspect of it and like representing um, the university at racing and um, really enjoyed it. It was interesting. I I kind of had an internal struggle for a long time because I wasn't the one doing the physical activity. I was just sitting in the back telling people what to do and, 
and how to go hard. But I, I found a good balance within that time of, you know, I was a runner myself. I loved, you know, to do that on my spare time to stay fit and all of those things. And um, it was really, you know, there's an Ironman in Wisconsin, which is where I went to school in Madison, and I volunteered for it every year. And I kind of decided during my senior year of crew that I was going to do the Ironman when I when I graduated because I really wanted to show all of my teammates that I was willing to push myself as hard as I was asking them to. Um, and so I, I completed the Ironman the year after um, I graduated and I ended up winning my age group and qualifying a spot at Kona, which is the world championships. Um, and that kind of led into a couple years of racing Ironman. I raced um, Ironman Texas and I won my age group there again. And then I went to Kona and I finished ninth um, in the world in my age group. And so I, I had a great time with Ironman and it was a really good way to like push myself physically and um, I loved the kind of varying aspect of it, of the run, the swim, the bike, but also getting your nutrition down, mentally preparing and being able to deal with the ups and downs of the days and pushing through all of that. So that was a really good time. And I actually, I learned about World Bicycle Relief while I was racing in Kona. Hey guys, we're just going to interrupt you for a second to talk again about the Wide Angle Podium Donor Drive. So for those of you who don't know, Wide Angle Podium is the network that our podcast is on, uh, along with other awesome cycling-related podcasts like CX Hairs, Slow Ride Podcast, We Got to Hang Out, The Honest Bicycle, tons of other really cool ones. Uh, and the network is sort of what allows us to you know, keep upgrading our audio equipment, keep putting out new episodes, um, you know, hosting and all that kind of stuff is not free or cheap. So, you know, it really takes a, a village to have this, this kind of podcast going out every single week. Yeah. And the way I like to describe it is, you know, we used to all pay for our cable channels. We used to all pay for all these crazy things and, you know, everything gets sort of cheaper, but it also gets more, you know, specific. So you can now get the exact content. Hopefully, you know, we're providing content. You're listening. So thank you for that. Uh, but you're getting, you know, the content that you want. It's very specific to, you know, the cycling you like or the, the sporting you like. And um, we're not getting, you know, really any commercials that are stupid and for, you know, odd companies that you don't support. So it's true. So anyway, this month we have our wide angle podium donor drive going on. It's just going on through the end of August. Um, and any new donors get a ton of rad bonus content. Um, I can say it's rad because I made a lot of it. So these are like downloadable documents. There's some extra episodes with some really cool people. There's some longer like added content that are from some of the uh, episodes we have done. Mm -hmm. Can you give people any teasers on those? Yeah, actually, we have uh, one of my favorite people talking about nutrition, Matt Fitzgerald. Oh, so some, we got some extra nutrition stuff. Extra nutrition stuff. So you're going to get faster? Yep, extra healthier. sports. Yeah, and you're going to get smarter, too, because we have Simon Marshall talking about um, some, some sports, sports psychology. And he was really well-received. He's a great guest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then during the donor drive, you also have access to things. There's some T-shirts, there's some pans, some stickers, some, some really cool stuff like that. And basically, you can donate on a sort of recurring thing, again, like you do with your iTunes or your cable package or whatever you're paying for monthly. Uh, and that's at a lots of different levels, obviously. Uh, and you can also just do a, a one-time sort of annual or, or one-time lump sum as well. Cool. All right. Again, that's wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Uh, any and all contributions would be greatly appreciated. And if you're already a donor, thank you so much for supporting the show. 
And with that said, let's get back to it. And I had always wanted to tie my racing to some type of charity work or some way to give back because I think in so many of these sports, you invest so much time and energy into yourself. And, you know, we're just amateur athletes. Like, I wasn't getting paid to be out there. I was just doing it because it was fun. And so I really wanted to find a way to tie in something more meaningful. And when I found World Bicycle Relief, it was just the perfect fit. Like, it was international work, humanitarian work, and it tied to the bicycle, which was a tool that I found was very prevalent in my life, but I also knew had such big impact for, you know, people through mobility. So I started as a fundraiser myself. Um, while I was still racing Ironman and um, was fresh out of college. And for me, like, uh, I didn't have a lot of money. My friends didn't have a lot of money. But this $147 was so tangible to me and, like, something that I could really wrap my head around that, like, if I could raise a bike, I was changing a life. And so I rallied a bunch of my friends. and I ended up raising 25 bikes my first fundraising time around, and I was really proud of that. It was it was a way to make my racing a lot more meaningful. And then when I moved out to Colorado, a spot on the development team on World Bicycle Week opened up managing fundraising. And so that's when I really kind of got out of racing and just really poured myself into this work. And I felt like, gosh, if I can raise 25 bikes on my own, that's great. But if I can help other people and empower them to to reach out to their networks and do that fundraising, then I'm going to have such a bigger reach. And so being a part of the the development team at World Bicycle for the past five and a half years has been super rewarding for me to see, you know, how many bikes we've distributed. When I went and raced in Kona, they had distributed 79,000 bikes and we're now over 400,000. And to be a part of so much of that growth has just been the most rewarding thing that I've I've really been a part of and so for Renee and I to be able to tie BC Bike Race which again is a lot a big investment of time and resources into yourself to be able to look back and say you know this is the outcome and really what I'm most proud of is I mean we've raised over $23,000 now um, and I think that's the legacy that I'll be most proud of for this event. How many bikes does that translate into? Um, well, so we're basically funding a school, and so that includes the, um, like, the programming and the mechanics training and all of that. So, yeah, we're funding a specific school in Kenya, um, and so that, like, the 20,000 was kind of our goal to do that, and additional funds will continue to fund bikes, um, but now we've fully funded um, this school. That's awesome, and I want to come back actually to just the bike thing as you mentioned it. I think you said it was a what one hundred and forty-seven dollars per bike. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so that's the and the, this is the Buffalo bicycles, right? Yep, that's right. So I love the concept of being able to measure in like the amount of bikes that you've like been able to donate. I just think that's like the coolest when you can say like, I I helped donate twenty five bikes. Like that's so much cooler than mm-hmm. a dollar amount. It's so okay. I know I changed twenty five lives with these twenty five bikes. Exactly. I just think that's yep. like the right. coolest thing with World Bicycle Relief. I love that. Um, okay, so what? Okay, actually, I want to come back to this. Claire, like you were saying, being that position on the crew team really kind of makes you, it almost is like you majored in sports psychology, I feel like. Like, you're perfect Actually, for yeah. this kind of thing. That's a really good way of, <laughs> it's a, such a good way of putting it. And 
describing what the role of the coxswain is one of the hardest things to do because people just think we're like the cheerleader that sits in the back going like you rah rah but it's it really is it's it's a very technical role of making sure that the rowers are all really in sync with each other and helping them, you know, knowing what their weaknesses are, what they need to work on, what happens when they get tired and and making sure they're staying focused because it's such an intense race. It's only about six or six and a half minutes, but they are at this like threshold where they are at, you know, the absolute max of their uh, you know kind of ability it's, it's an odd length because it's a sprint for six minutes which there's no such thing as a sprint for six minutes except yeah. in crew <laughs> but like the, the psychology part of it is so true because I'm the one that has to get them to make that decision to then go harder and to sprint at the end and each person wants something different um, you know some people want you to tell them like great work you're doing awesome and some people want you to scream bloody murder in their ear and you have to find that balance because you're basically talking to everybody at the same time through your microphone but what I did learn is like that really helped me become such a mentally strong athlete like I know how to talk to myself during races and I did this all the time during Ironman and during BC as well of like I basically cox myself through races and I talk to myself exactly of what I need to do and push through things. Um, and it's, it's been something that I think has made me successful as an athlete, because I think when you get to a certain level, like physically, everybody, you know, trains really hard, but it's that time when you're at mile 12 in a marathon after you've already ridden 112 miles on your bike and swam 2.4 miles that you have to decide like, am I going to push through this pain because it hurts like hell? And I was able to do that because I could mentally, you know, mentally push myself, you know, past those limits. And so that's actually probably the best description, what you just said, that anybody has ever said about coxing, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and, and just to drive that in a little more uh, and and. You know, I think Claire coxed me through this race, too, if yeah. you think about it. <laughs> and I think that that psychology or that that mental toughness and um, flexibility and adaptability per person applies when you're talking about a team racing anything, even if as small as a two-person team racing seven different stages on different days and different terrain, uh, waking up feeling different in, every morning and having to you know, strategize as a team how you're going to come out winners at the end. Um, of course, we had no idea we were going to come out winners at the end going into it. But um, I do think that, that that those skills paid off in our team as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this could go to either one of you, but what what made you guys decide BC Bike Race is going to be the the race? Yeah, I'll take that one because... It was my idea. Um, <laughs> I think as a, I, I've yeah. got more history in mountain biking than Claire. And so uh, I'd heard about this, much like hearing about the Leadville 100, I'd heard about this BC bike race, this seven-day. I mean, everyone who, who participates in the BC bike race will come out raving about it. Like you said, whether they want it or whether they're in the back of the pack, they'll tell you it's the best seven days they've had on a bike. And so I always wanted to go experience this and see what it was all about. And I had a friend I was going to race with, um, and uh, she ended up injured, and I ended up uh, looking for a new partner and um, deferring for a year. And it, this was the year, and I really didn't want to have this experience 
uh, solo. I just thought it would be way more meaningful, um, plus more impact um, fundraising for World Bicycle Relief if it was a team thing and not a solo endeavor. And Claire and I come to get to know each other over the the year and a half prior, and we knew we were well-suited in um, sports, uh, in road cycling at least, and um, weren't sure if it would translate into the same uh, compatibility on mountain bikes, but I knew her intensity and her competitiveness and perseverance and all that. And I thought for seven day race, I'll see if I can talk Claire into this. Um, there were, there were only a handful, very small handful of friends that I thought would be suitable as teammates, but it was my bucket list race. And I think something, um, I, I figured almost anyone could get excited about if the timing was right for them. So, I approached Claire and said, you're my first choice. Please say yes. <laughs> and you got a yes. Um, yeah, it, it came It came with a lot of hesitation. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, was, I was really nervous about it, like more nervous than I've probably been about anything else I've done. And it, it was a lot of back and forth. And, Renee, like, I put a ton of time into, you know, trying to figure out if this is the right decision for me or not. Um, I, I was yeah. really worried she that left, I She left me not... hanging a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She left definitely. me hanging a little bit, and I had to, I had to send lots of encouragements. I promise this race is going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I would feel the same way, Claire. And it was. <laughs> like, I, especially, I, it's BC it, mountain biking. Like, that's no joke. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally and mm-hmm. I, I had like never even done a mountain bike race before like one little 30 mile race like two weeks before and that was before <laughs> I'd even committed to doing this like I've tooled around on my bike with my friends but like I, I just was so outside of my comfort zone I've never raced for seven days straight and I felt like gosh I'm just not fit enough to like come back day after day and you know I think my biggest thing was like I didn't want to hold Renee back I didn't want to be like a weak link and I knew we were very well matched and I I thought we would we would be good but I just knew she had a lot more experience in the the race scene and you know it's it's a big decision and it was really other people that encouraged me to to take the leap and you know if you ask if you ask my fiance at least like the three weeks leading up to that event I mean I was so nervous. I would lay in bed at night and I would just be like, this is not a good idea. And, you know, (laughs) Renee, um, one of the doctors on her team quit early. And so anyway, she was scrambling. They said like they had to cover all these shifts. And I was like, maybe we're going to have to drop out. Like if I'm lucky, maybe (laughs) like we'll just have an out that I don't have to go and do this. Um, But, but it's funny because after we finished the first day, it was like all of that, stress just immediately came out like I was like okay we survived the day we can survive this week together and I think we really fell into our groove and and everything changed and I think I said multiple times throughout the week like I'm so glad you talked me into this I'm so glad you talked Mm -hmm. me into this this is so fun and like I everything just changed but you know I think it's good to be nervous before a race it means you care it means that you know it it is a big undertaking and I think those are the ones that are most rewarding because that's what it was about Ironman for me. It's such a big undertaking, but the reward when you accomplish something that big that you've pushed your body to the limit is like, it's just awesome. It's such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. We did an episode on pre-race nerves a couple months ago, and we both kind of ended up saying it was just like, 
if you're not nervous and like kind of freaked out about a race, you probably don't care enough about it. So those nerves mm-hmm. are actually uh-huh. a positive. Um, and yeah. I mean, how much of the nerves were True. from, I mean, only 15% of the people who do BC bike race are female. So how, how was that experience? Was it just super rad or was it kind of a boys club? And did you camp? <laughs> and also, was it just like men's camp, women's camp? How did this work? <laughs> it, it kind of becomes one big family. And honestly, the men were amazing. And in fact, I would even say... Mm-hmm. Um, beyond my expectations, they were cheering Claire and I on as a team and saying, go get them if they knew the other team was ahead of us or uh, if they knew the other team was behind us, they would be like, they're on your tail, go harder. Or, you know, um, they were very, very friendly, even to the point of sometimes letting us pass if they knew it was a tight race that day. And um, <clears throat> so I think they were super cool. And yeah, it's one big village. It's hundreds of tents spread around. And so, you know, you're eating and sleeping and racing with these 630 people for seven days and um you get to know a lot of people especially the people who are day after day kind of in your pack at the same pace um you really do get to know each other you know who excels on the climbs and who excels on the downhills but i think um this that was one of the things that did completely exceed my expectations is just how totally cool everyone was was out there on some really technical single track trails where you do have to navigate not just rocks and roots but each other and you're all trying to have a good finish time so i thought the crowd was just super cool i think claire would agree yeah i would absolutely agree like it was it was so much fun and my biggest fear about mountain biking has always been that i'll get on the single track and i'll just have guys breathing down my neck wanting to pass and i Mm -hmm. didn't feel like that at all they were so they were so supportive. They were cheering. You know, they, they knew the close competition we were in with the second place team. And, you know, they would roll into annotations and be like, you guys got this. Like, you know, looks like they're not as strong today. Like, take them. You know, like, they they were a part of the competition, too, which made it really fun. Um, and just overall Absolutely. really supportive. And even on a, a couple of the descents, like, if I heard someone behind me, I'd pull over and let them by. And then, you know, at the end, they were like, you didn't need to do that. Like, you were sh- totally shredding and I was like well I was not shredding but you know (laughs) I appreciate that but they were they were awesome I didn't have a single negative experience with anybody there volunteer other athlete anybody it was just it was such an awesome group of people that's awesome and it sounds like I I would go ahead Renee sorry (laughs) no I was just gonna say um you know the male female ratios um I don't know I think we've kind of come to sort of expect that with mountain biking. Um, mm-hmm. There's just not as many women out there, but the women that are there are good. And I think there was such great camaraderie around the women, especially like, you know, there's less than a hundred women out there and um, they're all great athletes. And we had so much fun, you know, you're, you're showering and you're camping and you're eating with them, but um, everyone we competed with and against was just really um, well-spirited. And um, I mean, we're exchanging phone numbers and emails and social medias and now they're like we got an expanding circle of friends so it was um and it was fun just to talk to them and find out where else they'd raced around the world because it was such an international field that was one of the coolest things you're listening to people pass on the trails or talk to their teammate in different languages and um just to hear that and to see the different flags on the on the race numbers on their on people's backs and say oh i don't know that flag what country is that and you know um it was just a really unique experience at the international level. 
I love that. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Hannah Ray Finchamp, who finished, I think, third in the overall women's, and she was saying she actually mm. was sharing a tent with the girl who beat her for second. And I mean, it was pretty down oh. to the wire with those two. And she's like, yeah, by the end, we were like best friends. It didn't even occur to us that we were really like competing against each other, even though we were racing each other every day. It's like, I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that's kind of how we were with the second place team. Like, we would cheer for each other and like they'd pass us and we'd you know tell them good job and we'd pass them and they'd say the same like we'd have beers after the race together like we really became friends and like you go out and you ride hard but at the end of the day like ultimately we're all out there just having fun and and so it you know we had a very similar experience to that too i love that so was it a tight race for you guys the whole week or when did you like cinch the victory you know, it actually was quite tight. Um, we took the first um, two stages and had a pretty nice lead. Um, and the first stage was quite technical and second stage as well. Um, and then third and fourth days ended up being real cross-country days. And these um, gals from Spain are um, great climbers. And we knew that because we saw them on the climb the first two days too. But um, they're really strong on the climb. And the irony is, you know, Claire and I went out there thinking we were going to be the cross-country girls, you know, excel on the climbing because we had come from high elevation and we train a lot on climbs and um, we thought we might be weaker on the technical riding and descents because we don't really have a lot of that type of terrain, different different surface and not as much roots and so forth. But um, as it turned out, you know, so they took stage three and four and on day four we had to give up the yellow leader's jersey. So made a sweat and they kept the yellow jersey for two days and then we really rallied hard to get it back with stages six and seven but even going into stage seven uh, claire you might correct me if i'm wrong but i think we just had like a three to five minute lead on them going into the yeah, final three stage. minutes so that was three minutes yeah so tons of pre- i mean three minutes when you consider we've raced 20 hours mm-hmm. so already going into day four to have only a three minute lead i mean that's one flat tire that's that anything could happen and, and reverse that. So, um, you know, we went hard on day seven and, um, we had a nice margin at the end. Um, it was a really great stage for us. And I think we were just pumped to like, um, finish this event. And, um, so we've just put it all out there. We're like, okay, tomorrow we're not riding. So let's just go. And uh, it was a long, long final stage, but, um, yeah. So I would say that the race would not have been what it was without that, um, the intensity of the back and forth with them, it certainly added another element um, of pressure and fun and competition that uh, we wouldn't have had if there was a lot of margin um, between the other riders. So that was, I thought it was super cool. That is awesome because I think a lot yeah. of a lot of stage races, you know, pretty quickly you end up with these huge time gaps, especially when you're in a tiny field. Like when they're just, you know, right. when there's under 100 women racing, like, I'm sure that, like, from, like, the top woman to, like, the the last woman, there were probably, you know, a few hours separating them by the end. Oh, huge. Yeah, huge. So Mm -hmm. to have that kind of, like, actual back and forth for the whole time does add such an exciting level that doesn't always happen. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, three minutes, it's one thing if you're doing, like, a 10K running race that's going to, you know, every people come in within seconds, but... You know, the last stage was 35 miles and I think 5,500 feet of climbing. So three minutes is negligible, right? Like that's, that's nothing. And so it, it did, it, you know, that really added to the like 
kind of excitement for, for so many people. Like, again, going back to the awesome camaraderie with like the other racers, like they were excited to see what was going to happen. Um, and so it was, it was really fun to kind of have that competition again with people that we felt like we had become friends with and, and it, it was a really positive competition overall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from like I've the... said, it's by far the most fun I've ever had racing before nice. and competing before. Wow, I, mean, I love it. I love it. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you that to go negative on it. What was the hardest part of the whole week for you guys? <clears throat> Waking up in the morning. I'm not a morning <laughs> person, and the wake up was six a.m. Oh, although we started going to bed pretty early, so that helped. But uh, I, I actually thought day. Three, two or three, three, I think, was the hardest day to get up because I yeah. think, you know, we had raced two days and I think my body was still kind of adjusting to what we were trying to do. Um, you know, I actually felt the strongest days five, six, and seven. Like, I just, I felt strong I climbing. Agree. I felt good descending. Um, and so I almost felt that throughout the week I got better. But I think uh, those middle days, uh, I was tired. My legs felt heavy. Um, my upper body was, you know, had taken, you know, a brunt of the, you know, descending and stuff. So uh, I think getting used to that, that amount of racing just took a little bit of time for me. Yeah, I would agree on the feeling stronger towards the end. Um, I think for me, the hardest thing was keeping up with Clara on the climbs. I mean, <laughs> she just, uh, she's really a strong climber and, <clears throat> I felt like, man, if she's giving it 80%, I probably have to match that with my 90%. Um, I, I was feeling a little bit old out there, and I'm 47, so I think, um, you know, it, it was a bit challenging to keep up with, <laughs> with Claire. But, um, and I, uh, you and were I think fine. Just, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I thought, well, if I get behind on the climbs, I'll just try to catch up when we get into the single track and the technical stuff. But Claire got progressively stronger on all the new terrain that we were riding each week. So I just, I really had to give it all every day. And I kept waiting for a day that I could kind of coast or cruise a little, and it just didn't come. So, um, yeah, even even to the point where we got to the last couple of days and we weren't stopping at aid stations even for quick, like, you know, grab, grab a, a goo or, you know, grab water. We were skipping aid stations and just trying to uh, really push hard. And um, so I think it was just intense. And um, I feel like I've been in a two-week-long recovery. I had a race this morning, and I felt like I had no juice. Ooh. And I was like, oh, I think it's still left over from leaving it all in D.C., yeah, absolutely. So how did you guys handle like the recovery and fueling and stuff like that? So kind of walk me through what, you know, okay, so you wake up. I Actually, yeah, walk me through what like the day looks like in one of these races. I actually found it like very, um, it's very routine. Like they wake you up at a certain time and you have your certain time that your uh, group is scheduled for breakfast and then you race at a certain time and you finish and there's, you know, food waiting at the finish line. And then again, you have dinner time scheduled at a certain time and then you go to bed. Like it was, it was pretty nice. I think that helped with a lot of it. Um, I think the biggest thing for me for recovery is like, eating plenty of food and healthy and like Renee can attest I would eat like three plates of food every night I was so I was hungry all week long no matter how much I ate 
But I think eating healthy food um, and getting plenty of rest, I mean, we ended up getting about at least eight hours of sleep every night because you didn't really have a ton of other things to do except go to bed. So that was that was pretty good, and I would say that's a huge part of the recovery. Um, I joked, like, a lot of people did yoga at night, and I joked, like, oh, no, I don't want to train up, do something I haven't ever done before. So I'd just sit around and, like, watch everybody do yoga. Um, but I think the, you know, kind of the stretching, the nutrition, and the rest is just is the best thing you can do. I don't know, Renee, what, what, what else do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I joked that it felt like Groundhog Day because every day it was like the same repetition. And by day four, it's just kind of weird. Aren't we back in the same place again? Um, um, I've only done three-day stage races up until this. So by day four, I was kind of like, wow, we're doing this again. Okay. Um, but I think r- napping when you can. We had four ferry rides over the course of the week. Um, Claire was better than I was at taking naps on the ferries. But I think just resting, getting your feet up, um, and I think hydrating and um, and then getting to bed early. I think those were all all keys. I think we were pretty. It was very very routine. I think we had it had it down. Yeah, I think the the mistake I've made in any time I was in any kind of race like that, and I've never done the seven day, but I've been at seven day stage races as like media and. I was always like, I'd go out and do part of the course or whatever just to see what it was like. But then I'd come back and I'd be working and like on my computer doing stuff. So I was completely tanked. And I'm like, looking at everyone else like, Oh, they're not doing how are they not doing anything? And it's finally clicking with me like, No, you're actually if you did it right, you're too tired to do anything other than refuel and just be done for the day. Because I would worry right. about getting bored, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. like and with Hannah, I was like, "Did you bring a book or like several books?" I mean, you have so much time in the afternoon. She's like, "Did not have energy to do anything." Are you crazy? And some, and some people yeah. were. I mean, the other thing too is when we had a chance, we got our legs in the water. So when we were by the ocean or mm. the lake, we were, you know, try to dip our legs and uh, get a little. That helps with recovery too. We didn't we didn't have a lot of rivers nearby. Ironically, we were on the coast, but we weren't always camping um, close by where we could do that. And there were a lot of people who did bring books and were hanging around. I think we got on the I got on the rollers and did a lot of stretching and did I actually did a couple of massages. They had some great therapists out there, and all that helped. We we kind of joked because we didn't we didn't bring books with us either of us because I knew it was going to be a bit of a busy schedule, but. The other thing, too, is we wanted to use a lot of our downtime for fundraising and sharing the work of World Bicycle Relief. So Mm -hmm. we did a lot of socializing in the downtime, meeting everyone there, hearing their story, telling them what our goal was about the school in Kenya and and making friends. And, you know, I don't I don't regret any of that. That was super um, time well spent. And it really helped us get to our hit our goal. That's awesome. I feel like races like this in my head, I'm like very intimidated by them, but thinking about them and talking to people who've done them, it does seem like they're this awesome mental, like almost break slash reset because all you can do for the week is really be in the moment. You can't really, like if your head is somewhere else, like if you're thinking about, you know, work or freaking out about something else, like you're not going to have a good race. So, but like when you're racing, you're, you're in it, right? So is that, did you guys come back feeling mentally refreshed or were you just totally cracked? <laughs> Uh, we're both we're a bit thinking of both. about. We both <laughs> we both came back to a little bit of both. I mean, the price it's you pay eating, when you take. Uh, 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go, Claire. Um, yeah, the price you pay when you have to take that kind of time off of work or travel and so forth is, for me, coming back to a 72-hour work week. And Ugh. Claire immediately jumped on a flight to go to Vermont to, to do some work-related things. So we there really wasn't much of recovery on the other side. And I think um, you've probably had this experience, but there's also this kind of letdown, like you're on such a high, especially mm-hmm. when, uh, even more so when you're winning, but even if we hadn't been winning, it's such a high, it's like they call it adult summer camp, and it it's like that. And when you go home, you're kind of a little, you're sort of a sad to return to your world, even though you're excited to share about your adventures. It's like, it's sad when it's finally over. It's funny, so many people say that about um, after they get married as well, like after the wedding, there's kind of like this, uh, oh God, what what now? Like the day is over. <laughs> I feel like that's There's exactly... your warning, Claire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not if you do it right, but I have heard that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. The, one of the like medical people talked to us about like, post-race depression I think they called it or or post-race blues maybe or something where it really does feel like that a little bit of especially leading into the event you're just your focus is training you've got this very specific you know purpose to get ready and you do it and then all of a sudden it's over and you kind of almost don't know what to do with yourself um and so you know, I can see a little bit of, of that. And I think the same thing, like you said, with wedding is like, right, you plan for so long, you have your big day, and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, it's just all over. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it feels a little bit like that. I think it was good to jump, you know, right into some things, um, you know, and, and kind of be able to, to kind of refocus our energies in, in other areas besides just riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've experienced that many times on mission trips where I go away to Africa for a month to work at the hospital to volunteer or to Honduras for a couple of weeks and always on return it's that it's that kind of sad empty feeling of you've just had this profound experience and and you can't take all your friends with you on these trips you can tell them about it but it'll just barely scratch the surface of of what happened in your in your heart and body and soul and you know, you feel a little changed on the other side of, of a big race or a, an important event. And, um, yeah, you kind of have to prep yourself for that. I think it's good to, to talk it out and um, and expect it to happen. Um, it is. It's kind of a – it can mess with your mind for sure. And you wonder why I'm so happy, but why do I feel let down? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the common common phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you guys did this as a team. Do you have any tips for people that would be thinking about doing some kind of team event? Because I feel like it is the, like, I think it's so much harder personally than, than racing solo. I mean, it's got so many great things about it, but I do believe it is a bigger challenge. Agree. (laughs) Yeah. Claire, you got it? I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it in some ways is a bigger challenge in that, you know, their mechanical is your mechanical and your bad day is their bad day. But at the same time, also, like, the victories are so much sweeter because you're sharing them with someone. Um, my biggest suggestion is make sure you're compatible with that person. Um, mm-hmm. We met a lot of people along the way. Like, one guy was like, yeah, my partner didn't train for this, and I'm not waiting for him. And we were like, oh, Good. gosh, like, that was <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, you know, we, we had a great time because we were compatible. So we rode, you know, the majority of the race really within eyesight almost of each other. So that, that was really cool. Um, and then it goes back to it. Like, I think that it also can be really beneficial because even if like there was a day that I wasn't feeling super strong and Renee was ahead of me and I just, I was like, okay, I got to do this for Renee. I'm just going to push myself hard. And so it almost took the pressure off of just thinking about, you know, my woes and like really basing it on our team aspect and, and focusing in on that. And that helped keep me really positive throughout the week of like wanting to, wanting to, you know, do the best for our team versus just personally. So I think the team part, it just was so cool to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would agree with the tip of compatibility. I think in a race where you can either go solo or go team, I think unless you have someone you're super compatible with or you've laid out all your expectations and you're just on the same page about what to expect going into it, I think it's better to race solo. But I think the the victory and the experience is more sweet shared and it is it does add another element. But I think personality-wise and fitness-wise and, and even the degree to which you want to compete really need to line up well. And I, I feel like I really feel like there's not anyone else that I know of that I could have lined those up better with than Claire for this season. And, um, and so it was, I mean, there wasn't a single disappointment in, in deciding to do it as a team and uh, choosing Claire. And, and that's not be just because we won. I just think, um, I, I think we really did have kind of the same goals and, and hopes and, um, and, and flexibilities, you know, I think you have to be, you have to be flexible yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's what I would suggest. No, I think that's great. And, and train, I, to, train together yes. when you can, <laughs> as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think coming back yeah. to those two guys that you mentioned, right? Like, they clearly hadn't communicated, like, here's what my training plan looks like. Here's what I'm doing leading up to this. Like, are we are we on the same wavelength here or no? Like, mm-hmm. So I think that's so important. Exactly. Poor guys. <laughs> it's funny. I raced this morning. I'm in Leadville back at home, and we have a stage race this weekend, which is our three-day stage race. And um, Claire, two of the friends we made at the BC Bike Race, um, uh, Eric and Michael, were there racing. And it was just so fun to look over and see. We met them. They're from Colorado, yeah. but we met them in BC and cool. had never met them before. And we're similarly paced, but they're just buddies um, that ride together now and then, and and uh, they raced it as a team. And um, you know, today this is this wasn't a team race today, so um, they're racing separate. But it was just so fun, uh, you know, just to see them. And I kind of had a little flashbacks of that experience. But yeah, people choose all kinds of partners. I mean, there were people racing with their brother or sister or friend from high school in another state, and many of them had not had the advantage we had. We thought we weren't, we didn't have enough time to train together, but the little bit that we did, and we were really um, dedicated to trying to make our schedules work, even if it meant we rode at six in the morning um, before we both went to work. Whenever, because I, I travel around, I'm not always in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. So, and neither, neither is Claire. So, um, but I think that little bit of just working um, to, to train together as much as we could was, was very helpful, and it was actually sufficient. We worried that it wasn't, but it was actually just fine. Nice. Um, all right. And then, I mean, before we go, let's, let's talk world bicycle relief. Um, 
Clara, this is probably, since you're the development manager and fundraiser extraordinaire, give everybody kind of the, not sales pitch, give everyone the why the heck they desperately need to donate to World Bicycle Relief and what you guys are all about. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's my, Renee is just as equally as good of a spokesperson as I am. So, um, you know, again, it was it was awesome to be out there together at the race and be able to share. And for me, World Bicycle Relief has such a direct impact immediately in an individual's life. And it's what originally brought me to the organization, and it's what continues to drive me today. Um, I think a bicycle is a tool for an individual to empower themselves. And for a student, it just immediately provides a brighter future by allowing that student to stay in school. And I think the impact is so profound. So for $147, which to many of us as athletes, right, like that's less than what our helmet costs. Mm-hmm. You know, let alone our shoes and our sunglasses and our bike and new tires and all of those things. Like, it's just, it's such an easy thing to wrap your head around. And it's a tool that, that really drives an individual's life forward. And um, I continue to be so inspired by the stories of lives changed and, um, you know, the opportunities that are opened up because of a bicycle. And it's just, you know, 400,000 bikes have been distributed and the need is still out there. So um, I'm excited to hit the half million mark, the million mark, and even beyond um, and continue to, you know, give to someone else this tool that has also been so important in my life. Um, It's just, it's an incredible, incredible opportunity, I think, and so easy to be involved in. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. I mean, what you guys do, not just with getting bikes to people, but specifically getting bikes to women. I mean, some of them, like plenty of them go to men, but the girls and women who get these bikes, like their lives are completely changed. And it's just so amazing to me reading some of those stories. It, it really is. And I think you make a good point about the women. You know, we really do focus about 70% on girls and women and you know, we're not necessarily going in and saying, oh, the work should be divided equally amongst boys and girls. Like, that's not our position, you know, and that's not that's not our spot to go in and say that. What we do is we try and empower those girls, and that's amazing. And I think this year, especially, the UN had their first World Bicycle Day, recognizing that the bike is a key tool to achieving a lot of goals that that are worldwide. And the UN has set these sustainable development goals and there's 17 of them and nine of the 17 can be improved by having a bicycle, um, eradicating poverty, being able to access education, all of these things, a bicycle plays a key component. So, you know, it's really exciting to think about the bike as a tool being recognized at such a high level that it, it, that it is important in, um, in a lot of these goals that we have you know, on a, on a global basis. So, uh, the, the options are just endless. And I think mobility is such a key part, especially in those areas of the world that we work where distance is so vast. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And how can people find out more about World Bicycle Relief? What are, what are all the, the web links and whatnot that we need? The easiest one is ahead, probably worldbicyclerelief.org. Um, that will take you to our main landing page, and people can learn about, you know, our mission statement, about stories, 
read our blog, we've got ways to get involved, we have events to be involved in, so worldbicycleweek.org is definitely the, the main landing page. We do have a Facebook um, you know, site, World Bicycle Relief, and on Twitter we're at Power of Bicycles, on Instagram we're at World Bicycle Relief, so lots of different ways to follow, follow us on social media and learn more on the website where we've got our impact reports and, and all of those statements as well. Nice. And then we'll also have a link in the show notes to the page that you two have specifically for BC Bike Race, if anyone wants to find out more about that or jump into that donation uh, particularly. Thank awesome. You. Well, thank you two so much and congrats on an awesome race. That's so rad. Thank you so thank much. You. It's been great chatting. Hey guys, before you take off, we just wanted to jump on here and talk a little bit about the Wide Angle Podium donor drive that's going on this August. So Wide Angle Podium is a member-supported network. They have tons of awesome shows, you know, in addition to us, obviously. We have the Slow Ride podcast, there's uh, Crosshairs, uh, so many other really cool cycling-specific podcasts. I think we might be the only non-cycling-specific one on the network, so it's pretty rad that they let us, you know, hang out with them. Yeah, it's definitely a, a conglomerate. <laughs> that makes it sound like they're in some kind of, like, skyscraper building. and No, in, in fact, it's quite different. It's all just regular people who are talking and trying to get, you know, people like Katie Compton or we just had Chris McDougall today that you just listened to. And it's, it's you know, bringing this content that hopefully is, you know, very near and dear to your heart, you know, whether you're a cyclist or something like that. It's, it's very specific, right? And that's this day and age, you know, we're not paying... NBC for our cable package. I mean, you've cut the cord. You're not paying for cable anymore. Who does that? So it's really now, you know, you pay maybe Apple for your, your $10 Apple Music and then you... Uh, you Net- know, Netflix? Maybe you're Netflixing and chilling. I don't know what you choose to do with your own time, but that, that would be an option. And then, you know, maybe some YouTube in there. And then you got your wide angle podium, right? So you're getting your podcast and it's a very specific show, right? There's no more channel surfing. You know that these, you know, five, five different shows, maybe you listen to as a cyclist or, you know, maybe you listen to us for sort of this all around stuff. And then maybe you have like a, another show that you listen to that's about something else like dogs or something. But slowly our show is merging into a dog show. I was going to say. Anyway, though, uh, if you end up supporting Wide Angle Podium, which you can do if you go to wideanglepodium.com slash donate, uh, you not only get to help out shows like ours, you also get some sick bonus content. We actually put a lot of time this summer into recording a couple of bonus episodes with some pretty high-level people about some pretty cool topics. Uh, We put together a couple handouts and PDFs as well, so you get bonus content from us as well as from all of the other podcasts. So really, really it should be a lot, right? Like we we put in three or something. Is that what Uh, it was? This year we have three three. episodes. But there's a, I imagine all the older stuff is in there too. And there was some really good stuff from last year and the year before too. Yep. And yeah, like I said, a couple new handouts with some, some of the stuff that we talk about on the show kind of put into, here's like an easy way to put this stuff into practice. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's really great if you can help support us and the network we will be forever grateful. You will be our best friends. Cross is coming, so you're probably going to see us at some races. So how great would it be to get to come up and be like, hey, I support your show. I would give you some stickers then, probably some, some Shred Girls swag. If you I was wondering to do what that. you were going to offer on top. I'm like, hey, be careful. What if this goes really well? 
I'll buy you lunch if you're like one of the highest. Beers for everyone, Molly Herford. You know what? If you if you support the show with over twenty bucks a month, I will buy you a beer at the next crossroads. I mean, I think if there's no problem, I think at any. At any level. They still have to find you, right? So what what are the chances that this is going to backfire? Uh, I feel like at Gloucester, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, but how much does a beer actually cost? I mean, At Gloucester? (laughs) If someone gives to you and you give back and then you have a beer, I feel like that's, that was like meant to happen. That's a, I will spend on that beer. That's it. I'm offering the beer now. Okay, there we go. If you donate screenshot the email or screenshot the email that says you're donating find one of us at a cross race and we will buy you a beer you don't think we can do this on less more like we'll just trust them no i want a screenshot oh and they're gonna have to bring a piece of paper too no just just their phone oh screenshot yeah i guess i guess you can do that now you've cut the cord you got into the cloud come on i'm just saying all right do that we'll buy you a beer you'll make our day anyway wideanglepodium.com bonus content we got bonus content (laughs) All right. I, you know, I'm really wondering. I want to know what the bonus content is for, like, the crosshairs. And they probably have some really good stuff. Because this last episode they just did, we talked about that last show. I thought that was, like, one of the best things I've ever listened to. Well, now Peter you're giving Sagan. it away for free. No, no, no. This is just the show they did. Um, but they had Peter... Was it, was no, it Peter? they didn't. I made up Peter Sagan. That was just hype. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously they have Peter Sagan as the bonus content. I mean... Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not promising that. That's not my show. But who did they have on that was amazing and I was excited about? They had Matthew Vanderpool. I mean, that's just like Peter Sagan. Okay. Although Peter, they also developed hype, I think, around the fact that Peter Sagan doesn't know who Vanderpool is or something. You're getting really into the weeds here, dear. Yeah. Anyway. Filibuster? (laughs) Wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Do it and we'll buy you a beer. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week... Uh, Do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.